Well, welcome, friends, to the Victory Point Bible Reading Podcast, where normal, everyday disciples open up the Bible and discuss. We don't claim to be theologians here, but no one ever said you had to be to read and interpret and apply the Word of God to your life. So thanks so much for joining us today, and here's your host. Hello, friends and listeners. Dwight Beal here. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I'm here with my mother-in-law, Kay Agel, and we're having a great time. Kay, before we jump into the Bible passage, could you tell our listeners a little bit about what God was teaching you back in your 30s? Mm. That's he, a, he took it, you on a journey. Yeah, he really did. Yes. Um, well, we're all a product of our homes, and I had a, a loving, unconditional loving mother, and I had a father who... Uh, was a great provider, but he'd had a terrible childhood. He'd moved 22 times as a child. He'd, and so he didn't know how to father me. So my picture of a father wasn't really of a emoting, caring, loving father. Hmm. So I had to do work on what a real father looked like. Hmm. There was so much about that I didn't understand, but I was a high performer. And so real quickly, I can just tell you the story that started me understanding how much God loved me. Yeah. And that was by Annabelle Gellum, and this is the, their life. And uh, they had four sons. Their, I think their second-born son was Mason. He, was, he had a deteriorating um, uh, neurological disorder and... Um, so that when he was a child, he could sing Jesus Loves Me. But as a nine-year-old, he had finally, they had finally had to institutionalize him because Annabelle was in such a depression. She had tried so hard mm. and had three other boys and didn't understand how much God loved her. And she had uh, Mason home for Thanksgiving, and he was sitting in a chair. I'm going to get this mostly right. Um, yeah. He was sitting in a chair in the kitchen. She was doing Thanksgiving dinners, and she was saying to God, I don't think I can take him back to the institution. Mason at that point was blind, deaf, drooling, mm. and sitting in a soiled diaper. And she was saying, I can't, I can't do this. I cannot take him away. We're here as a family. And she's washing dishes, and she she stops, dries her hands, bends down, looks into Mason's eyes, and says, Oh, Mason, I love you so much. What I wouldn't give to hear you say you love me one more time. Nothing. Went back to doing dishes. Same thing. Just, had, just overcome with how much she loved him, and she was going to have to leave him. And nothing. And she... She went back to doing dishes, and she said, God didn't speak to me in an audible way, but he spoke to me in my thought life. And he said, Annabelle, you don't love Mason because of um, the fact that he can't quote any scripture to you, because he can't say anything. You don't love him because he can't go to, to um, church on Thursdays. He can't go anywhere without your help. You don't love him because he, he, um, he performs. You don't love him because he performs. You just love him because he's yours. Mm -hmm. 
Annabelle, I don't love you because of the way you perform. Mm. I just love you because you are mine. And I knew that was truth. But I had to practice it because I had an eight-lane highway of performing and a one-lane highway of of accepting the fact that he just loved me because I was his. Mm -hmm. So I had to go around practicing that. And I did. I, I eventually took every bird I could get to realize that he loved me and he was in control. And there was a time in my life when, you know, I had a child who couldn't speak or move. And I asked me how much I loved her. I couldn't have loved her more. Right. So that was what was happening. Wow. And how long would you say that that epiphany or that process of learning God's love for you regardless of your performance, how long did it take for that to unfold in your heart? I would say maybe six or eight years. <laughs> and what anchored it was Hebrews, actually Hebrews um, 3 and 4 and Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. Okay. All right, listeners, if... You're wrestling with comprehending the love of God. You would send them to Hebrews 3 and 4 and Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8? I would. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks for sharing that. Let's jump into our scripture reading for today. And it's Wednesday, so okay, if you could read again, and we're going to Go from John chapter 6, verses 42 to 59. Okay. And they were saying, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down out of heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, Oh, wait, I'm sorry, Kay. Can you start at verse 41? That's what I meant to say. Oh, okay, sure. Okay. Um, the Jews therefore were grumbling about him. I think grumbling is a weak word. I just, I bet it was really getting caustic. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I shouldn't say that maybe, but anyhow, um, they were grumbling about him because he had said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. And they were saying, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down out of heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be, uh, excuse me, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that any man has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He's seen the Father. And truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Mm. Your fathers ate man in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread also, which I shall give for the life of the world, is my flesh. The Jews therefore began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? 
Jesus therefore said to them, Truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in yourselves. I want to just keep that thought in context because he explains it in verse 63, which we won't get to today. Okay. Um, uh, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. And who he, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also shall live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread shall live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Okay. Thank you. Okay, so the strong temptation for me right now is to go after that, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, Mm -hmm. Um, because... There's so much to unpack there, but then it's really in tomorrow's reading that that gets unpacked. Yes. Right? Yes. So can we put a pin in that? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, I want to I take us back to and the very first line, and this the Jews there began to grumble about mm. Jesus mm. because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Why, why do you suppose they were grumbling or even getting caustic, as you said? Why don't you tell me? <laughs> Ooh, that's very rabbinic of you to answer a question with a question, Kay. How Jewish. Um, w- well, I, I think it sounded like blasphemy mm-hmm. to a lot of us, to the leaders. Yeah. Like, you're, you're what? Yeah. I mean, you used the Son of Man moniker earlier, and now you're saying that you're the bread of heaven? Um. That's blasphemy. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think he he was just as asserting spiritual authority mm. in a place where there was a lot of authority structures that didn't appreciate that. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right to you? That sounds good to me. And I I don't. You're the guest, so I don't want to talk too much in this episode. But but I do want to just share one thought that I I saw this happen in real time Mm. back in the mid nineties when I worked at Hope College. How was that? Well, a guy named Ben Patterson was hired Mm. as the Dean of the chapel and he came in and I love Ben. He is one of my mentors and he's such a, in some ways I've never met a more Christ like person but he simply got up on that stage and opened the Bible and said, this is the word of God, and Jesus is the only way to God. And the Jews began to grumble. And by the Jews, I mean those in the power structures mm-hmm. uh, at that college and in, in our community. I mean, the, the religious leaders and professors got very agitated. Because mm-hmm. in the academy, mm-hmm. you don't make pronouncements like that. Mm-hmm. You, it's this is a place where academic freedom and open thought and dialogue, you know, is is the thing. Um, so I, I feel like I got a a real time 
experience of seeing this unfold. Um, and within days, you know, the battle lines were drawn. Mm-hmm. And a good chunk of the, of the academy wanted to get rid of Ben in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he was drawing lines and he was making enemies, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm on his staff and I mean, we, we prayed together and we laughed together and we, and we had each other's backs and we, we worshiped together and we memorized scripture together. And I mean, it was just this, uh, maybe similar to how when Jesus would pull his 12, you know, away and just pour mm-hmm. into them, Yes, you know, but then. But then when they were in public, they got to see him being publicly maligned and bad-mouthed. And, yes. You know? Yes. And not to equate Ben Patterson with Jesus. He's, he's not. He's a sinful man. But he represented He Jesus. was a believer. He was a true blue believer. Yeah. Yeah. True blue. So I, I'm sorry for no. how long that story was, but that just really came to me as I was reading through this. Um. Okay, when he, when he said to the crowd, oh, by the way, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, um, we are going to get to this in the next episode, but do you think part of him was purposefully trying to offend people or, or take them off guard somehow? Oh, I think he was trying to shock them because they were there was so much disbelief. I mean, mm-hmm. he was he was honing it down. He wasn't interested in a fan club. Right. He was inter- interested in true devoted yes. believers. So and well said. So yeah. um, that's what he was going for. Yeah. Can so I, yeah. yeah, go ahead. This is kind of sidebar. Okay. But just in sharing. Um, are we okay on time? Are we good on time? Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, what I really, to, to, to get around that, uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood, because that's really critical, and I think we'll touch on it. We'll touch on the clarification tomorrow. Yeah. But um, I, what I really looked at was um, um, verse 45, where it said, everyone who has heard... And learned, heard, and learned. Can I just tell you a little story? Mm -hmm. In the 19th century, there was a a man called Sam, and he lived with his wife, Bessie, in a cabin along a great big river. And the trading post was on the other side of the river. Hmm. So in the summer, they rode their boat across the river and got what they needed from the trading post. But in the winter, then when the ice was solid, they walked across and got their stuff. Well, a stranger came to their cabin, and he had a contagious disease, and um, Bessie got it. And Sam realized that she's going to die within days. If he didn't get to the cabin, you're so cute. You're nodding. You're feeling the story. I can just see it in your face. Um, so he, he knew he had to get to the cabin to get across the river to get the medicine that would save her life. Hmm. The problem was it hadn't been very cold yet, and the river probably wasn't solid ice. Hmm. He probably would fall into that river. It would break up, and he would die. But he loved Bessie so much, he had to go to the cabin to get that medicine. Yeah. 
I mean, he had to go to the trading, trading post, post yep. to get that medicine. So he says, I'm going for it. He goes down. He gets a board. He lays it out in front of him. He starts pushing that board out onto the ice. He because that's going to distribute his yeah. weight if it's in front of him. In front of him, he hears the ice moan and groan. He goes a hundred feet further. It's moaning and groaning more and more. Um, it's it's he 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 knows it's not going to hold him. Um, and suddenly he hears this crashing sound, and he he knows. It's breaking up. I'm dying. I'm going to fall into the river. He shuts his eyes. He waits to die. And then this crashing sound seems to go by him and go on to the trading post. And he opens up his eyes and he looks. And it was a Conestoga wagon fully loaded with the team of horses. What Sam realizes is... um, the ice held that wagon. It'll hold him. Hmm. He jumps up and shouts. And, and what has happened he, is he didn't, um, he didn't need more faith to get across that river. What he really needed was more information about what he was placing his faith in. Hmm. He needed more information about how hard the ice was. Right. Well... To me, that's like hearing and learning. Hmm. I mean, as a believer, I can hear um, that uh, I have a brand new heart, that I've been forgiven of my sins, Mm -hmm. that I have an eternal destiny. But if I don't, um, I can hear it, but if I don't really learn it, then I'm not going to be any different than Sam. I, I feel like there's a lot of times in my life when I just, yeah, I heard that I had this great new thing, this Conestoga wagon that's crossing on the ice. That's, you know, the ice is solid. It'll take me. It's good. And I chose to just get back down on the ice with my board and keep scooting along with mm-hmm. what I knew was comfortable for me. Right. And, and I think, Jesus is bursting in here saying, I am a Conestoga wagon. Put your faith in me. I'm going to hold you. I'll take you to the trading post. I'll get everything you need. And the choice is yours, though. Hmm. It made me think of Watchman Nee. He said, all knowledge is the outgrowth of obedience. Everything else is just information. And I think, you know, once we get the information, and then take it to our lives um, by obedience, then we know something. And I think God wants us to know something. He wants us to hear it and then learn it. And really know it. Not just as information, but as life experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Let's end there. That's a great story. I was on the edge of my seat. Is that a true story? No. Oh. Okay. Did you make it up? No. Okay. I borrowed it. You borrowed it. Okay. Well, God bless you listeners. Well, thank you for joining us today for the Victory Point Bible Reading Podcast. We hope that today's conversation was helpful for you and encourages you in your daily walk with God. If you have any questions or thoughts to share with us, please email us at info at victorypoint.org. We would love to hear from you. Oh,